Before we begin this episode of Undercooked Analysis, I want to take a moment to honor the memory of Sam, aka Rabid Radioactive Raccoons, who passed away unexpectedly near the beginning of August. Sam was a longtime listener and supporter of the show and the author of stories like How to Summon a Fish and Beta Testing. While I didn't know him well personally, I don't want to understate how much I appreciate him sharing his talent and time with us and the community. We're all a lot richer for it, I'd say. So, thank you, Sam. Thank you. And I say wonder, welcome to Under Shakespeare Analysis. We are no longer <laughs> discussing... <laughs> We're discussing Shakespeare. We're not discussing stories anymore. Yeah, I decided... No, this is, this is fair. This is absolutely fair. You know what's funny is is the one Shakespeare play I haven't seen that I'd like to is the Scottish play. Mm, uh, no, I haven't seen it in person. I would love to as well, actually. We're not in a theater, but I still feel compelled to say the Scottish play. The one play I want to see live is uh, A Winner's Tale. Oh. There, there are some... It's one of those plays that you're reading, you're like, it's kind of boring, but then... I saw like a, a staging of it, like a film staging of it, and it looks amazing because there's a point where someone gets eaten by a bear and you're like, yeah. how do you show someone getting eaten by a bear on stage? And then also the fact that there's a statue that comes to life and like this was definitely meant to be performed, not read. There's yeah. there's some plays that are really of his that I think are better read than they are performed. Um, I think as I'm going through it in my head, Hamlet's, well, no, Hamlet's actually pretty good. I see some good, I've seen both productions of Hamlet I saw were pretty good. Hamlet I, is good. It, it, yeah. It's it's up there with Romeo and Juliet of like, everyone does it and everyone knows it. So you're kind of like, yeah, okay, you know, there's other plays. The the key di- the key difference is I think Hamlet is a better play. Well, I, I <laughs> a think, better story. I think Hamlet <laughs> is technically Shakespeare's magnum opus. Uh, interesting because like, yeah, I, I have to agree. I agree. I think it's one of his better, his better plays, like on a critical level. I will agree with Bismi from earlier, by the way, listen to the dregs if you want to hear this bit, but uh, I would love to see Titus performed. I've never seen Titus performed apart from the film and it would be really wild to see it performed. I think the wild part about Titus is the fact that, well, not wild, but it makes sense. He wrote, it's one of his earlier plays. So mm. he was young when he wrote this and he, it, you can tell, you can tell that he's just <laughs> like, I want to be edgy and, but he's a good writer, so <laughs> it works. But it's like, yeah, I can see the edginess of it. It's kind of like his death metal posters up. And then they bake him into a pie and they eat human flesh. <laughs> and they don't even know it until Titus is like, ha ha. Uh-huh. Right after he snaps his daughter's neck. Oh, oh yeah. um, uh, Okay, I know. Um, Hi. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go, go ahead. Okay, uh, a play, one of his, the play that's better read than it is seen performed, I would have to say, is um, uh, oh. King Lear. I th- you think Lear yeah. is better read? Yeah. Yeah. Like, when you think of, like, the things that happen on stage, it's a very talky play. Mm-hmm. But the words are beautiful and po- poignant. But it's like, okay, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. There. With the theater, you kind of want to see a performance come to life. Truth. Yeah. Um, you know what? I will say I've seen I I don't think a play that a play. The comedies are harder than the tragedies because for the comedies to be funny, to be actually funny. I think you, you need to get people who are good at performing so people get what's happening between the lines. And uh, I definitely had that. I saw a production of Twelfth Night. 
Yes, oh, me too. And it was funny as hell. Yeah, Twelfth Night, <laughs> if done well, is hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've also seen The Taming of the Shrew as a... Uh, remember, we, did we see that one together? No, but that... Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which has it, aged perfectly, by the way. Yes. <laughs> when you take the text and you make it uh, contemporary, but also better. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what are we reading? Well, we're not reading Shakespeare, surprisingly enough, though we did talk about it for a while. Uh, I'm I'm David, and my favorite death in a Shakespeare play is probably uh, Ophelia. Yeah, that's a jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Introduce yourself. Name your favorite death. Uh, my name's Abysme, and it's people getting baked into fucking pies. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking deserved it too, though. They did. They did. <laughs> uh, God, there's that's too hard. Uh, my name is Kayla, and the way that I would want to die is like Yoda. It very very old, cuddled cuddled up in bed as a hot guy tucks me in, and then I just disappear <laughs> into the ether. <laughs> When 900 years old, you reach no fiscal and you will not. Yes. I want to be at that 900 year old age. And it's like, yes, I'm dying. And then this hot little man just (laughs) tucks me in. And I'm just like, give some wisdom of advice. And then I just disappear into the (laughs) I cannot imagine how awkward it had to have been for Yoda, who knew Anakin Skywalker, to just hold his tongue the entire time he's around Luke going, your your dad was a... mm." Mm. A lot of edge on that one. <laughs> Very whiny. He really wouldn't shut up. You know what? I'm starting to see the resemblance. Yeah. It's whiny like, he was. It's strong trait in Skywalker males it is. In females it is not. <laughs> Ow. Ow. I've, I've made that observation landed before. And he's just like, oh, it's, it's the brother. Okay. Yeah, I guess we'll deal with this. I mean, Fuck. it... it Here's, and then Yoda is like, oh, thank God I don't have to deal with Kylo. <laughs> Die before I could. Yeah, yeah, God, it really is a trait, isn't it? Even the solo part couldn't rule that out with uh, Kylo Ren yeah. and nope. Ben Solo. Nope. He inherited the Skywalker male gene of being a whiny little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shakespeare, Star Wars, we're all over the place. Is but- there a liminal space? And- Oh, yeah, we were supposed to be at a liminal space meeting. This is our third trip, uh, real estate agents. Uh, I got a hell of a property for you all to, for us all to examine today and see if we can get it on the market. Oh, uh, right now, the market is still pretty huge. I don't know if it's oversaturated yet, but um, I think we have an angle for this one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like we all work don't work in the same field, right? I mean... <laughs> I'm just flashing back to our haunted mansion. Um podcast recording you knew i was thinking about it too yes we were just on an episode uh i know this is a weird plug to throw there kayla and i were just on an episode of our our friends podcast nothing new a remake podcast that was with uh, justin Keyson and andrew lindy and uh we talked about the haunted mansion the 2003 film with eddie murphy and haunted mansion the 2023 film with a lot of other people who are oh. more relevant uh these days and uh it was a lot of fun but uh brought up the very salient point that one of the reasons that Eddie Murphy's character comes off as as much of a douche as he is is because he and his wife have the same job. They're both real estate agents, and yet it seems like he does all the he not doesn't seem like he does all the work, but he does all the work, and then he complains is like makes some comment at her about like it's okay if I do this as long as I buy you expensive gifts. I'm like you have 
the same <laughs> job. You were like supposedly you, you, this is a you, shared field. You're supposedly a team. What the fuck is this? Is oh, so uh, weird. listen to that and you can hear me, bitch. Yeah, anyway, that's a, that's a, that's our plug for All that right. one. But in the meantime, uh, I'm posting. I'm giving you the the property posting, and this is the third one from that liminal spaces story contest sent to us by hyperthermal and it is t- simply titled p b and j by the way whenever i think of it's funny with liminal spaces i sometimes my brain goes liminal spaces <laughs> <laughs> like the living spaces commercial yeah i actually you know that's that it makes sense i actually could hear that too mom has uh, got the magic of liminal space <laughs> 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 Whoa! Uh, and it would appear, uh, based on the image, uh, our liminal space is a bridge. But what's if you hover your mouse over? So this is on, I think, uh, the creepyapostafandom.com. But if you hover your mouse over the photo, it actually zooms in a little. If you do it enough, there's a jump scare. No, a video okay. game render. It kind of what? Hmm. It's not. It's not like an actual photo. I don't think. No, it's 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 definitely atmospheric. I think I think um, just based on any liminal space idea, I feel like Hyper got dealt a relatively better picture for this one. I don't know. It doesn't, it's, but that. Go ahead. It's better. It's not a true liminal space because I no. can see yes. the end. Yes. How is this a, so difficult? I, I don't understand it because I'm like, that's not a liminal space. That's not the idea behind a liminal space. Yeah. Oh well. <sighs> Well, that's why we have to determine if this is um, market viable for liminal spaces. We're kind of down. Uh, well, I mean, like clerics was an actual. Well, no, no, no. no. We could see the bottom. I we could think see the floor just, level. I think strike Beth, three and we're out, gang. We gotta I, hopefully. Beth is oh, kind of. I can kind of see it with a cornfield if you're in the middle of one. It's the but closest, but it's not an open space is not necessarily a liminal space because if it's infinitely open, it's not the space between two spaces. It's just open. Yeah. I, th- I don't think, know. I don't know. I this is really stretching the limit of what I consider liminal space, but you know what? Hyper got an image, had yeah. to work with it, and I want to know what uh we have to say, what he has to say. So why don't we uh we have some juicy big paragraphs to start with, so uh, I would like to uh, open the floor to either of you if you'd like to take it. Otherwise, you could vote to make me do it. I don't. I am indifferent. You go first. Do it, coward. Okay, fuck you. We won't. John knew he was cursed. No other explanation would make sense in his mind. For the past three hours, he had been trapped on Peter's Bridge in the middle of a fierce blizzard. Whenever he had taken a step off of the snow-covered path, his vision would be blurred in a haze of white, and he would be right back at the other end. He had considered jumping from the sides of the bridge to the ground below, as it was a fairly short fall. When he had first peered over the railings to gauge the distance, however, it became apparent that while a fall wouldn't kill him, but his older age meant that he would be seriously wounded, likely breaking a leg. This would be manageable on its own, but he could sense something under him, something too terrible to deal with, something he felt was responsible for his predicament. Its presence was subtle, but it was there, and it was hunting him down. Why it wouldn't just come up to the top of the bridge was beyond him, but as long as he was above it, he was safe for the time being. Interesting way to begin. Yeah, we're just right just right into the thick of the action. Yeah, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. So by the way, uh, John is a goat, and there's two other goats. <laughs> <laughs> what's oh under the bridge? God. I don't know. He... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That'd be kind of wild if that was the premise. I'm waiting for that. That would be a drop, wouldn't it? 
It's a goat. He sat, sat down. down. Oh. Yeah, you go ahead. Do you it. Go ahead. Do it. You do okay, it. Okay. He sat down at the middle of the bridge, leaning his back against the poles and rungs that were designed to keep the thoroughfare from tumbling off the sides. Maybe if he just rested here, he thought, he could wait this all out. The blizzard could end, someone would walk by and drag him back to normalcy, or he could wake up from this terrible dream. As he pondered his options and possibilities, John couldn't help but think back to the history of Peter's Bridge. Named after the local philanthropist who had funded its construction, it was also where that man would be undone. Peter, old and fairly wealthy, had many involvements with women, his last being Marie. Four years ago, almost coming to five in a few days, there was an altercation between the two. Marie had confused Peter on this bridge. Confronted, not confused. Confronted Peter on this bridge. I so mean, over it, it, what? This, well, this situation is confusing, so. <laughs> Who are you? What are you doing here? <laughs> Though over what was never fully known to the public. The low traffic the place saw during the winter all but ensured that her body would not be found until a week had passed. Multiple wounds to her face and neck, bruising on the side of her body with broken ribs underneath, and utterly frozen. Dun, dun, dun. So this is possibly a haunted bridge, too. I'm going to wait till we get to the end. This, I don't know, the whole, the whole like, him just saying, I'm going to think of why, why this bridge came to be. It, I mean, I know it's a way to give a background, but it feels a little forced. I don't a little know, bit. Well, again, I don't know what you do with a singular bridge that you can clearly see the end of as far as a liminal space. Because I think you have two options. You stay in place or you walk forever if it's a true liminal space. There's not a lot you can do there, but, um, especially with the image. There's not a lot on the sides. There's nothing overhead. When you have this empty, empty space, there's not a lot to work with. That's the clever part. How uh, Hyper has made the story in order to feel like an actual limitless space is actually a good idea. Like have mm-hmm. it so you can escape. The way that the bridge is described and the way that John is kind of just blipping from end to end feels like a video game transition. <laughs> you know, the screen gets whited out. When it fades back in, your character is standing on the other end of the bridge. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but I can't unsee that right now. This is very much, you're yeah. in the Lost Woods, you make a wrong turn, the fog rolls in, and then you're back where you started. You have to solve this puzzle. <laughs> you're in Silent Hill, son. <laughs> uh, Cheryl? <laughs> Cheryl! Peter was investigated and tried and was soon found guilty of both this murder and several others. Oh. Admittedly lesser crimes. He, so- he was given a life sentence, though it was shortened by Peter's creative use of prison bedsheets half a year ago. Uh-oh. Oh, this was oh, fairly wow. recent. Damn. It was that horrific murder that was the source of John's curse, he reckoned. People do say that hauntings happen around places of great trauma, or at least that's what he heard anyway. John curled up as tightly as he was able and drifted off to sleep. Well, he's going to sleep on the bridge in the snow. This isn't going to go well for him. He's going to die. Yep. Well, and there'll be lizard. another ghost on the bridge. Maybe, I feel like maybe he could have, there could be a reason, like, how does he know this? Like, maybe bring up, like, how he well, knows the, there. Yeah. Well, we still don't know exactly what's going on. We have a page break here. And by the way, this is a fairly short story. Yeah. I, We're free to discuss it. It's more like just being thrown in the thick of the action. We don't really... I don't even know if he knows why he's there. But he, how does he know this knowledge? How does he know about Peter's bridge? Yes. I, 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 where, and where does PB and J fall into it? Ooh. Unless uh, P, the first part of P is Peter. Well, Peter, well <laughs> J is, could be a nickname for John. So Yeah. yeah. So who's mm. B? Oh, is that the bridge? I'm the B! 
said the bee. It's just a bee. It comes up and stings him while he's asleep. Um, let's let, let's press on. Let's see if this the, the rest answers these questions for us. It had been almost a whole day by John's recollection, and still he was trapped on Peter's bridge, and still the blizzard screamed around him. While the snow was just enough to help sate his thirst, John knew he would soon starve to death if, he, if the cold didn't take him first. He lost count of how many attempts to walk off the bridge he made, but it was well over a thousand times by now, and vaulting off the sides seemed like an even worse of an idea than it did before, as it was clear the thing stalking around down below was prepared for something. It had haphazardly placed some dark blue-looking stones all over the ground, and that made John feel deeply uneasy. Uh-oh, it's performing a ritual. <laughs> <clears throat> another few hours. After another few hours, John paused and just looked at his surroundings. Whatever light made it through the blizzard was reddish-orange, giving the snow around him a peculiar, peculiarly... I can't fucking talk. Light orange-brown color that reminded him of peanut butter. Oh, there we go. Ooh. And those little stones looked like grapes. What John wouldn't give for a good filling peanut butter and grape jelly sandwich. Mmm. Just like the ones he used to bring to school as a young lad. The chewy, rough surface of bread, the creamy texture of the peanut butter spread, and the sweet, tart taste of that jelly. Oh, how he craved it, hungered for it, needed it. If only he weren't stuck in this horrible blizzard trapped on this never-ending bridge. Though now that he was thinking of it, John didn't feel cold at all. In fact, he was feeling rather warm now. That is hypothermia, and probably mm-hmm. frostbite. Too warm for the bulky winter clothing he was wearing. As he took off the glove on his right hand, revealing the bluish, yep, purple fingers beneath, Mm. John suddenly remembered the truth. Dun, dun, dun. That's a good, I really like that paragraph, actually. I like how it's good. Yeah. Great great way to describe hyperthermia um, with just a description alone and not saying, oh, he has hyperthermia. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, It's funny because uh, I have not had a PB&J in so long, but recently... (laughs) Because, uh, so for those who don't know, and this is probably timing, making this a bit more time, the, this is time stamping it. Uh, California just went through its like, quote unquote, first hurricane in 84 years. So, Drop quote unquote. Um, I, there was a point where we were, uh, Dave and I were like talking with um, uh, my mother, or, or this would be my mother-in-law, David's mother. And they said, oh, have, or she, she was, uh, she was like, oh. You should uh, get some jelly, like make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm like, I, you know, I never thought about that. If the power goes out and need. <laughs> the ultimate survival food, peanut butter and jelly. Absolutely. I love them. I haven't had them in years because bread bad. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. I don't have a gluten allergy. It's just like, you know, but start eating healthy. Stop eating bread all the damn time, idiot. So. No, I mean, I would make garlic bread all the time, but Ramona told me bread makes you fat. <laughs> i try to eat wheat bread more to make up for it i just if i force myself not to buy it i won't eat it but sometimes when i'm out oh boy we don't honestly eat that much bread to be honest at least yeah. i don't think we do do we i mean tech i haven't eaten that much bread. not like actual bread sliced bread but like bread on other things i mean yeah okay fair that's fair I do drink fast loads of beer so Beer is just there liquid is bread. Is. Beer is liquid bread. It is liquid bread. So I got to give one of them up. <laughs> you get, it depends, and depending on what it's made from, you get different varieties of bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of this part. <laughs> I don't know why that's such a weird, I never stopped to think about like, holy shit, beer is just bread. Yeah. Yeah. It's liquid bread. 
Damn. Never look at beer the same way again. Listen, civilization was defined by the ability to make bread or liquid bread. (laughs) It's been in our fucking human DNA for thousands of years. It's hard to get away from it. Wait, does that mean if you add beer into a Bloody Mary, does that make it a sandwich? (laughs) (laughs) A sandwich cocktail. Hell yes. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Pause the story. Are you saying a Bloody Mary, you add bread? Wait, does that make, does that? Well, Bloody Marys don't typically have beer in it. No. Uh, no, you add beer to yeah, a Bloody Mary. But then if you're going to make it a sandwich, you have to add little bacon bits. <laughs> you have a BLT. I, I'm trying oh, to figure out. Like, okay, there is a, there's a restaurant called the Farmer's Table um, somewhat near where we live. And they specialize in Bloody Marys. I have yet to have one there because i'm not that crazy about bloody marys i think they're fine but they're not like my go-to cocktail Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they they go from like the traditional to oh that's interesting you put bacon in it to this one is basically just a a blender that you've stuck a whole cooked chicken in and also it's a bloody mary (laughs) like it's fucking (laughs) bizarre and it's it's meant to be shared by like five people i'm never gonna order that but you know, if, if we if they can do that to Bloody Marys, we can put beer in them. You know, why not? Just Every what what is the great? It's a great experiment, really. Yeah. Just put be- beer. Call it the BL, BL the what it be like a the BMLT. Uh, the BML, <laughs> the Bloody Mary lettuce. Yeah. The BMLT. It's just you add beer to have to have the quote unquote liquid bread. That I mean, <laughs> tomato juice, obviously tomato. Add bacon bits and then put a lettuce in it, and mm. then other whatever else gets added uh, to make a. Did did we just end up on an episode of the Jameson? Oh tapes? my god! Whoops! Uh, quick, mention the movie. Uh, uh, uh. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, what's a what's a movie that would have a VLT? Uh, mm, uh, well, we did talk about a Bloody Mary. Anything with Bloody Mary, oh, like the ghost. There we go. There, boom, done. There's a movie okay. called Bloody Mary. I'm sure there's one. There's like nine. There's probably like nine hundred of them on on uh, Shutter alone. Yeah. Or some other like, what's the Red Letter Media just talked about this? What's that like? It's like there's the you can watch a bunch of movies for basically free. Oh, free fucking Tubi movies. Tubi, yeah. Oh yeah, there's probably a hundred Bloody Mary movies. Yeah, just you just look up Bloody Mary. There's gonna be like Bloody Mary versus Cyber Shark or some bullshit like that. You know, <laughs> Bloody Mary versus Cyber Shark. <laughs> I, I, I will listen if that exists. If that actually exists, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Does it fucking take place in an aquarium or something? Yeah. So, so what happens in oh here? God. Here's the premise, right? Oh, a disgruntled, and- a disgruntled uh, aquarium employee who uh, is not is is fed up with the way that the the group is treating the sharks. Goes to a mirror in the bathroom and does the Bloody Mary thing, and when the ghost shows up actually like does all the things right he says i need you to kill the rest of the staff but the staff is prepared and they have a secret shark that they've been preparing the, to the, fight a ghost the staff <laughs> has been helping this shark by making it cybernetic meanwhile <laughs> kids are coming in and talking about bloody mary and there's reflections in the fucking in the fish tanks in the fish tank so <laughs> oh my God. that is the best idea ever watch it exists <laughs> No, oh. but I think uh, I think you just earned about ten thousand dollars worth of funding from Tubi. <laughs> oh, sweet! Okay, make yeah. it. <laughs> you know what? I, I 
the thing, the, the one thing I can promise you is if I ever make a movie through, through Tubi, it might, it probably won't be very good, but it'll be earnest. I promise you it'll be earnest. It won't just be like, you know, I will make that $10,000 stretch as I, much as I can. I, I will make an ultra low budget movie. I now want to see Bloody Mary riding a fucking cybernetic <laughs> shark holding the fucking fin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Alan and I constantly say, like, if we had budget of insert movie, we could make something better. Like, it's, I'm it's, sure it's really not that. Well, I mean, okay, no, making movies is tough, but hindsight. I mean, look at look at Skin and Marink, right? Budget movie, but made exceptionally well. Probably very, very difficult to do. Yeah, you ever made a hundred times your fucking budget? That's like, goddamn. Oh, mm-hmm. that's rare. Uh, I think the other Prime. That's another. Hmm. Very, mm-hmm. very low budget film did extremely well. Yeah. I don't. It's hard to understand a fucking word they say, but Bloody Mary versus the Egyptian Mummy. <laughs> I like. They're, that just, they're just screaming at each other the entire time. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah, ah. Would Would the mummy be able to scream? Uh, if you cut its wraps open, yeah. Yeah, but that. I mean, but but also, it wouldn't have a lot of its organs. They would have been removed and put into canopic jars. Well, we're going for like uh, the mummy um, with Brendan Fraser logic. You just got to put them back together, and they slowly reassemble. Uh... Yeah, you know what? You could do it with that budget as long as it it looks slightly worse than the original Imhotep did. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, aged like garbage. Hey, but that movie still rule. Those movies oh, still I rule. Fucking love that movie. Yeah. Doesn't love the mummy. Love that movie. That yeah. movie slaps. Yes, the tech, the technology with it is kind of, eh, but it's still such a fun movie to watch. Well, and like, well I the, always the CG portions make up a tiny part of the movie. The rest of it's amazing set design and action, and it's just yeah. fun as hell. Fun writing. It's a great romp, and also, where else are you going to see a cat walk across the piano and scare them up? I, I love that great. scene. Just the way it walks the piano and his the way his jaw just goes like, and then he, he runs. <laughs> he gets the fuck out of there. All right. Oh, I sorry. Think, it's I you. Think this is all his prior knowledge of Pierce Bridge of his younger age, his entire life in world around him was an illusion. Wait, what? John was the king of the peanut butter and jelly land. But what was the cause for those prior delusions of his paler skin and believing that the bread of his castle was a mere bridge? What? Oh, is he hallucinating? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, hallucination uh, brought on probably by like malnutrition. Of course it made sense now. The fiend who cast this curse upon him was that malicious and monstrous mage. Morbidimus mole. <laughs> <laughs> the fungu that fungal fiend had infected King John with a wretched enchantment, tricking him into the, doubting the true nature of his reality and keeping him from his people, who were no doubt waiting his return down below. Goddamn cordyceps. Awesome. <laughs> I, this took a turn and I love it. I there's a the funny part is I don't I can't recall ever dealing with hallucinations, not even when I was sick or going into a weird trip like that. David has when he had that one fever, which was <laughs> it was wild because you were like like shaking and all that, and then after it broke, you would told me like Kayla. I felt like I was, I've seen some shit. <laughs> I feel like I was trapped because we had at that time we had played a lot of Fallout 4. It's like I felt like I was trapped in the Fallout 4 universe and all I could hear was <laughs> uranium. <laughs> it was bad. I can't hear that song without cringing now. <laughs> it was literally, you know, like when you have an insomnia about and something, one thing will stick in your head. It was that song on loop indefinitely the entire fucking night. <laughs> Oof. I hate it now. I hate that song. <laughs> if it ever comes up on the radio on, in the game, I change the station. 
I don't blame you. Turn it off. I would rather listen to the soundtrack. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> where were we? Oh, yeah. King, King John's okay. Landing. King John's Landing. I used to play bass for King John's Landing. King John's Landing on the soft, accumulated peanut butter was punctuated by a deep pain in his side. No doubt the last bit of Morbidimus's curse wrenching its way out of his body. He wasn't able to rise to his feet, but that was just fine for him. His most trusted members of the royal court were waiting in the castle for him. They looked different from how he remembered, though in fairness, his memory was afflicted by vile sorcery. The three of them were huddled together, (laughs) drizzled with the delicious spread, staring at him with wide, toothy grins. Every every single one of their four eyes refused to blink, no doubt out of concern for their king, and their strawberry jelly skin peeked through in specks and streaks around the necks. With brisk crunching and snapping sounds, they rushed over to to the aid of their monarch. Oh dear. Spooky. So I'm guessing he's in the hospital now. Probably. I'm trying to figure out what these are allusions uh, to. <clears throat> Once he was escorted to the medical chambers, King John noticed that their touch on his skin was painfully cold and their grip was getting tighter and tighter by the moment. By the time John realized that he was horrifically mistaken, that he was no king, that he had just stripped himself of his only protection against the cold and that the faces staring at him were frozen in grimaces, it was far too late. The three intact hands were already digging into his throat and face, choking him with their grasp and trying to gouge out his eyes. The presence puppeteering the three had commandeered a fourth member to his form. It was only a matter of time before one more person crossed the bridge, became ensnared, and finally completed him. Mmm. Okay. A flip and then a flip and then a flip. Flip, flip, very, flip, flip. Very folklorish. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the. Yeah, I wish there was more time that could have been spent on this because. Or uh, there was a bigger word count because it's inter- like on the whole, it's a very interesting story and very interesting short story. I think because of the short word count, there was only so much Piper could put into this, and I feel it comes across as a little too like, oh god, this is happening now, and this is happening. Yeah, hmm. it would kind of. I don't know if you would get docked points for not staying true to the image enough, but it you know you could just say you know. First mile encountered blank. Second mile encountered blank, and then kind of build it out from there. But that also might be a bit tough because it'd be like two sentences per installment. And yeah, this is just tough, man. Like I don't know what you can do with that image. It's not a lot. It's true. I mean, great idea with the fact that like he's stuck on this bridge and nothing he can do. He can never leave the bridge, and it's there's a blizzard happening. Mm-hmm. I yeah, it's it, it is it is some neat imagery. I will give it that, and I like I do like how weird it gets at the end of it. That some of those morbidimus mold that makes me laugh. It's a good bit. I, I like um, the uh, the kind of just the the the, the fantasy the, the fantastical jocularity of it. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's I, this this was fun. It was short and it was sweet and it was fun and it probably much like the other two, unfortunately, did not. Seems like it um, impressed the person running this contest, who seems very hard to please. But then again, <laughs> they had very—I think they had very specific kind of things in mind when it came to what they saw as a liminal spaces story. So I'm not trying to throw shade or anything. It's more just like uh, I think of—I think it's—it just seems like reading what I'm reading here. It still feels a little bit nitpicky, and they say they like this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what like counts as a winner here. Just I don't judging yeah. by this criteria. Like, like it's very, 
amorphous. I I do like the fact that his hypothermia is creating this hallucination. Like that's a, the imagery is really good in this. Hypo yeah. hyperthermal. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it definitely. I, I the hyperthermia stuff and the and the confusion and then the, being devoured by um, essentially frozen corpses at the end was pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. I dig it. We don't have to know what's going on. That's not what I'm begging at. But like, yeah, it's it's a, it's an it's an odd little story. I I like it. Um, I'm not sure what I would offer in terms of critique for this one because I'm I think it's just more like again, this is a really difficult. As we've all said, it's a very difficult criteria to work with when you've got this image, which again I would argue doesn't doesn't factor into the notion of what a liminal space actually is. Yeah. That being said, I will give this a fresh BMLT out of <laughs> weird ideas, out of Jameson drinks that are not being made on the Jameson tapes. I'm going to give this a three out of four Bloody Mary versus Cyber Shark sequels. <laughs> you heard it here first. Hit me up, Tubi. I'll make that movie. I'll, I'll give this... I'll give this as a challenge to uh, Abby and uh, Alan to eventually make a PB&J drink. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I believe it. Uh, it. It's it's been done. Oh, okay. We did not invent it. Um, I want to say Alan found it elsewhere. But he did drink it on the show, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But now you have established, though. We have established a key rule. Beer is bread. Yeah. So it has to be something beer... And then jelly and then peanut butter. Okay, beer is bread. Bread is food. Therefore, beer is food. Don't at me, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to our show and our great advice about drinking. Uh, (laughs) Throw away your uh, sandwiches, but definitely drink beer. (laughs) (laughs) If you You got a choice, you can eat your beer or you can drink your bread. As Mr. T said, if you believe in yourself, eat all your school, stay in milk, drink your teeth, don't do sleep, and get eight hours of drugs, you'll get hyped. If you're doing drugs, stop it. Get some help. (laughs) And remember, if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die. (laughs) The only other criteria I can think of is uh, in in our, for our real estate, uh, real estate service, uh, how viable is this for the market? Um, I'm pretty sure our real estate company is going to get like wound down or declare bankruptcy because we can't sell shit. That's true. There's there's too many outdoors locations, unfortunately, that are given. And I get it, but this liminal spaces tend to be more indoors. It's, it's I mean, just easier to have like four walls and a ceiling, you know? Yeah, I think it, it evokes that that feeling of like bizarre emptiness better than like a large open space. I don't know. And, well, and liminal like. I think the most engaging liminal spaces are man-made because they are kind of dungeons of our own design. They are these boxes that we put ourselves in and we live in more than we are outdoors these days. So Mm -hmm. when I see outdoors, I don't think liminal space because I don't think claustrophobic. You know, granted, if this was an unending underwater cave and we were cave diving, sure. But most people don't uh, encounter that. Most people encounter an open field at some point, a forest, a river, um, a mountain, a hill, whatever. And none yeah. of those strike me as liminal, like at all. So I'm looking up like what is considered a liminal space. And the idea says it's 
in architecture, it's defined as the physical space between one destination and the next. And I mean, I guess a bridge kind of counts in that criteria, but, but it, if it, it was also, a sky bridge, maybe. Ooh. It's also the fact that it's a uh, a space where that refers to a place the person is in during a transitional period. Mm. That's another if you want to go more um, uh, mental with it. But in terms of uh, the aesthetic, it's the idea of portraying empty. So it, the aesthetic uh, is portraying empty or abandoned places that appear eerie, forlorn, and often surreal. So you know what this? Okay. Come to think about it, these all technically count with the exception of the um I don't think the uh apartment complex really counts that much. I it mean, was if- it was the closest, but <laughs> just also didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> That's and true. I, That's true. And I'm not gonna sit here and say that we are the uh arbiters of what is and is not liminal space. It is a- Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are now. I I look, I got us I cop I I got the legal Rights to the name liminal space, liminal space realtors. We have the authority. It's on paper. God damn it! Uh, like, it's an internet trend, and that's going to morph and uh, just be. And derivative things are going to be made of it, and it's not going to, you know, from one month to the next, it's going to be something else, and that's fine. But yeah. um, as with all these things, it's going to be really hard to get away from what originally made it popular, and that's always going to be viewed at least with some reverence as like the pure, true cult, whatever, you know, (laughs) and, you know, sorry, the backgrounds is the OG liminal space. As far as internet horror is concerned, that's indoors. That's man-made. That's kind of what you got to work off of, but you do, you you know, do whatever. Yeah. We're not, we're not trying to yuck anyone's yum here. I think the idea behind, from what I gather, the idea behind this horror is the fact that you don't know where the end is. And because it, it's the idea of transitions is you're going from one space to another. Mm-hmm. So, yes, a bridge counts as one in a hallway or anything like that. But I think it is the fact you don't know what's at the end of it or it's, it's it, being in a limbo. Yeah. yeah. They also have to be able to move on. And there's got to be and I guess like there's got to be a sense that like I don't know if this was required, but there's this sense that like when people do liminal spaces like and something's something sinister is there stalking you. That seems to be something that other that a lot of the more derivative stuff has latched onto. You that, know, that's why I feel like the corn maze, or like being in a cornfield and looking around and seeing nothing for miles, does have that eeriness. Or that is pretty eerie. Or as I mentioned, Definitely. the suburban neighborhood where, like, when you go, there's there's so many turns, and then you find uh, a lot of um, what do you call them? Cold sacks. Cold sacks. Yeah. And all that. How do I get out of here? Why did what? What even is a cul-de-sac? Why even is a cul-de-sac? You know what that means uh, in French. What is the cul? Wait, what does cul-de-sac mean in French? That's I, I feel I, stupid. I, I learned this from Paprika because her uh, she works for a French company, um, but it means butt of the bag. <laughs> to which I said, "Sure, okay, thanks, French." So. And a special shout out to anyone who lives in uh, on a butt of the bag out there. Hey, Dang. <laughs> you're now the butt oh, of this joke. Okay, I found I okay, there was a point I mentioned to Abby like, oh, there's a the movie that has like a suburban horror feel, and it's called uh, Vivarium. That's the film that I was. Yeah, thinking. never saw it, but I did hear about it. Yeah, if the visuals it, like I saw a trailer for it, and the visual for that where it shows like the never ending. 
uh, set of houses that look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yank. Yeah. Ticky tacky houses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. No, oh. oh, whatever. It's a tangent. <laughs> I was just thinking, like we we've been we've we've had fun. We've been here for a while. We've done our thing. But I think I think it's important to mention that if you want to hear more of what we do, or you want to hear more of what other podcasts do, we are all nice and cozy on the Creative Horror Network. Various shows include the aforementioned Jameson tapes, Midnight Marinera, Darkly Lit, The Witching Hour, Trick or Track, and so much more. And more to come. Speaking of uh, Darkly Lit, we are carrying on with our current season. It's a lot of fun. I just picked up theme music by T. Marie Vandelli. That's the next one we're going to be reading. And it's much shorter than the last one we read. So no excuses, scrubs. (laughs) Get on our level. I had to go find it uh, because I like actually having the physical book in my possession. Uh, If you want to support, heck, I'll be honest. Do you want to support the the whole creative horror network by October when we make the transition? The Midnight Marinara Patreon is going to become the creative horror Patreon as a whole. So uh, you want to do that? Patreon.com slash Midnight Marinara. That gets you access to our Discord, which is where we tend to be most active these days because let's be honest, uh, the artist formerly known as Twitter is definitely continuing to go downhill. Um, <laughs> That's a great way to call it. The artist formerly no- named Twitter. <laughs> I refuse to really call it. We really want to give Twitter that much of like praise. It was never no, that good. No, it was pretty bad. <laughs> but I, I, I'm praising David for coming up with, with that name. Rather, it's, than- it's not endearing, unlike when I would refer to the artist formerly known as Prince. But you know, uh, I refuse to call it. I refuse to call it what it's called now. Yeah, that no, being, I'm not calling it that. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, until some other more productive form of social media sharing becomes a thing, you mainly will find us there. Um, I do still post on on the Twitter occasionally, to, but otherwise, I think by the time we get p- past this next Midnight Marinara, I'm probably just going to be uh, going completely silent on that as well. Who knows? I don't. But What David is saying intention. is we're currently in a limbo because we're in a liminal space, and you need, the more you give to the Patreon, the quicker we get to October. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Like I have a lot subscribe. of fun stuff. Subscribe. Be our friend. Give us money. We like that. All of this, keep in mind, all the stuff we do here, we never put on ads. We never do anything for this. This is not for profit. We do this for fun. And yeah. if you want to, like, help support us in that, we really do appreciate it. So I try to make sure that anybody who is a patron gets their story bumped up a little further on the list. Um, and this has been a fun little experiment in that regard. I've enjoyed uh, having these three stories, this like trilogy of liminal spaces, but I think it's time we, uh, we, we put the real estate aside for a bit. The market has definitely crashed and uh, we look <laughs> into some other lucrative scheme. What do you all think? <laughs> Unlike the real real estate market, this one's crashed. <laughs> <laughs> That's just depressing. <sighs> Good evening, intrepid listeners. This is the Pasta Shade, the host of Midnight Marinera, and this podcast is part of CreativeHorror.com, a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at CreativeHorror.com. <laughs>